0: Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is entrepreneur and founder of Indie Chocolate, I-N-D-I Chocolate. Her name is Erin Andrews, and I am thrilled to have her on the show. Erin, welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful.
1: Well, I am excited to talk to you, first of all, because your business is delicious. You have been in business for, I believe, around eight years now, and you're based right in the iconic Pike Place Market in Seattle,
0: in the heart of Seattle, right in Pike Place Market.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I was there last year. It's, uh, it's um, awesome for a foodie like
0: myself. Um, how did you get started in this business? How did you start making chocolate? So actually, my entry into chocolate was teaching my daughters how chocolate grows on trees. Uh, my sister called and said, hey, I'm taking the family to Belize. Mom and dad are coming. Would you like to come too? And I thought, I'm going to go for a week in Belize, I want to go for weeks in Belize. So I thought, how do I teach my husband, uh, you know, tell my husband that, I'm, that uh, we need to take a second week off. And I thought, I'll teach our kids how chocolate grows on trees. So that's actually how I got into chocolate. Um, and once learning the process and meeting the farmers, I realized that that's really what I wanted to do. So um, thus Indy Chocolate was born, uh, named after my eldest daughter named Indy. And uh, I haven't looked back since.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So your kids are small, and they're like,
0: Mommy, how do they make chocolate? And you say, let's go to Belize and find out. I said, I've always tried to teach my kids. I was an at-home parent for seven years before I started in my own business. And I always wanted my kids to know that things don't just appear on shelves, especially really good, fresh products. Uh require people and and the joy and the passion and the hard work to make them happen. And so I've always been a big believer Of showing that. And the new place that we have in Pike Place Market was really a a long term dream of mine to be able to show the entire world how chocolate's made behind glass in a very public place, uh, right in the public market of Pike Place Market in Seattle. And I wanted people to understand that there's actually a lot that goes into a chocolate bar from roasting beans all the way through to the finished chocolate bar, but also the farmers that I work with before those beans ever come to the United States. Oh, wow. So, like, kind of walk us through the process. Yeah. So, actually, chocolate grows on trees, um, and the tree is named theobromine cacao, which means food of the gods. And it's a really funky, weird tree, and uh, the beans grow inside of these pods that are generally about the size of a Nerf football, and they're about 50 to 100, what are actually seeds, but we call them beans, that grow inside. And when you, you... take that pod off the tree. Everything has to be hand harvested because they're a very, very delicate tree because you don't want to disease them or or harm them. So they're all done by hand harvesting. And when you open up that pod to try your first bean, it will taste nothing like chocolate. Um, And that's why it's really important to work with the farmers that I work with, because they do both the fermentation, because actually really good chocolate is, is fermented beans, as well as drying so that I have really good quality beans to work with to make chocolate in Seattle um, and so from those roasted beans uh, from those beans I then roast them uh, at Indy Chocolate and and from after that we take off what was used to be the best tasting part of the bean um, but was used for the fermentation which is a pulp on the outside of the bean inside of the pod um, and it's really nice uh, when you have it fresh but It's also really great for the fermentation because it's both sweet and moist in the tropics. And it's great to ferment that. And it's just just like grapes. Uh, Fermentation of grapes to make a great wine is very important. And the same thing is true with chocolate. And so I have those great fermented and dried beans. And so I no longer need that outside part of the bean. And we take that off uh, and we use what's inside that bean called the cocoa nib to make chocolate. And we refine it for three days uh, in our chocolate refiners before we both heat and cool it so that we can pour the chocolate into a mold and have a chocolate bar come out that's shiny, has a nice snap to it when you break off a piece, and most importantly, melts in your mouth.
1: Mm, That's so interesting. And you mentioned mentioned grapes and the comparison with grapes. So does that mean, like grapes, that the cocoa bean... Or co- Am I saying that right? Cocoa bean, cocoa bean. Yeah. <laughs> so, are the trees like grown in different types of soil or different um, conditions?
0: Does it taste very different? Yeah, actually, the trees grow uh, in the same belt that coffee grows, which is 20 degrees north and south of the equator. Uh, but the difference is is that predominantly, great coffee grows at low al- uh, grows at high altitude, not low altitude. And uh, with cacao, it predominantly grows at low altitude. There are very few exceptions to that, uh, but it predominantly grows at low altitude. And there are different flavors. And I think that's one of the things for me, that, why I love going to origin and working with different farmers is to really f- finesse some gr- great tasting beans to make chocolate with. Because I don't use things like vanilla or soy or anything like that. I use just the cocoa bean, cocoa butter, which comes from beans and just a little bit of sugar. So all of the differences in the different bars that we make is just one ingredient, and that's the cocoa beans because we use the same percentage. We do a 72% dark chocolate, um, and we really want those flavors and that journey on your tongue to happen um, as you're eating the chocolate. So the best chocolate, I think, is chocolate that has really lovely, interesting, and varied flavors throughout the chocolate eating process.
1: Mm, that's awesome. And are you, so you're getting all of your beans from Belize
0: still? No, no actually, uh, we're not currently sourcing from Belize, uh, but I do predominantly source from South and Central America. Okay. And do you, so
1: there's been a lot
0: in the news over the years
1: about things like free trade chocolate and... um is that something that enters into your business model at all or your dealings, or is this an unfair question? I don't know much about it, to be honest.
0: No, it's actually, it's actually a fantastic question. And it's actually a question that I like because um, I think that one of the things is a, as an artisan chocolate maker. I would say if you're an artisan chocolate maker, you're also an educator because there is a big difference um, because I don't source commodity beans. And those would be commodity priced beans and commodity flavor. Um, and, If you were to taste commodity beans, you'd realize why they're cheap uh, is because they don't taste great. And that's also the reason why we see a lot of things like vanillin, which is a fake vanilla, which is cheaper than vanilla and a lot of sugar and a lot of milk chocolates and and soy lecithin and, and things like that in industrial chocolate. What I'm looking for are really great flavored beans that are really a great flavor experience. So, That means that I'm not not looking at the majority of beans. I'm looking for really special and really sometimes hard to find beans. And that means that I pay a premium for them. And when they taste really good, I pay an even bigger for them. And so instead of going through a large labeling organization, like a fair trade organization, um, or going through a commodity, I would prefer that money to where the biggest difference and where the hardest work has been been made, and that's the farmers themselves. So I like to do what I call direct trade, which is dealing directly with either the farmers or cooperatives that they work with um, and paying the premiums at that level. Also um, doing origin trips to understand the sustainability of the practices that they're using and the quality of practices that they're using as well. So for that reason, I pay quite a bit more than what would be considered the fair trade premium, uh, which is just a just a number. It doesn't matter um, really the value or how much is going directly to the, the farmer in certain circumstances. Um, I look more at the economics of where I can make the biggest reward for the best beans. And so that's why I do direct trade instead of something like a large um, organization that does fair trade labeling that may require a lot of upfront big big money to look at, uh, the process and look at the labeling that I did. Um, and that money does not necessarily go directly to the farmers. So to me, the money at origin to the people doing the hardest work is where I try to really make the reward system happen.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. And so if you're not going through a big organization and, and, uh, truthfully, I, I know very little about your business at all. So I forgive the Maybe naive questions, but um so you obviously have a network of people that you work with and that you you know their product you know you 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 're familiar with their quality, yeah. but how do you hear about like an up and coming farmer with a quality bean like is there some kind of a network of chocolate growers
0: yeah. uh, well actually i've been in the chocolate industry for a decade, and so my network through through the years has gotten better and better, like recently, one of the uh, Examples would be Enliven Cacao. Um, Enliven is based in Minnesota and a um, really great group of people that have been working with farmers in Nicaragua for the last two years. And so I went out and visited them um, to see what they're doing and to see their practices. And what I was very impressed with is that they are a nonprofit, and every dollar I pay for beans goes directly back to the farmers instead of their not taking their cut. And so that was a very unusual and an interesting relationship for me to have because um, they have a really great support system on the ground, but not not one that dictates how to do things, but lets the community itself make the choices. So it was really refreshing to go into this environment that they've been working with them for the last two years to get their quality of beans up. Uh, And so I could go in and pay good prices for beans and know that 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 great bean, and there's going to be a lot of consistency based on the last two years of work that they've worked with this community. Um, but it's also great, great because in Livin at a time that I was there, it was literally stringing the lines to bring electricity to uh, one of the communities in La Colonia where I was sourcing from, so that they could start to do some analysis um, a little deeper on their chocolate and start some chocolate making process as well. So. Having a great community has allowed me to have an even better community of people to, to work with. And, um, it, and a group like Enliven has been really a joy to work with because I know that they're doing a lot more on the ground than just my dollars. And it's a longer-term commitment that they have to this community as well.
1: So when you started your business, did um, I, I read on your website that when you first went on this quest to find out about how chocolate was made... Uh, you um, really didn't know anything about it or I I believe that's what I read on your website and I'm curious um, as you you know started to get the idea that you you wanted to learn this craft and and you um, potentially could turn it into a business did you have the sense from the beginning that you wanted to um, aim at this this artisan um, market you wanted to do this this very um, specialized product and, and go after these high quality beans and get into this world where you're getting to know the farmers and the suppliers or um, like, how did that all evolve? Did you have that vision from the beginning?
0: Yeah. Well, so actually I, I started my first company in Belize. Uh, I met two people that became partners of mine down there. And so I wasn't down there full time, but uh, I was down there to launch the company get things started, really learn the chocolate making process. And after two years of that, I realized I love this. This is what I want to do, but I need to have it closer to home. And that's when I started Indie Chocolate. Uh, So when I started Indie, I knew that I wanted to have that direct connection to farmer. I knew that I really wanted to go after great tasting beans around the world. Uh, But because my my first company uh, had me locked down financially, uh, I actually started Indie Chocolate in a very, very different way than any other chocolate company I've ever come across. And that is, I started it with body care uh, based on cocoa butter, because uh, when my youngest daughter, Sienna, was a little girl, she had a really bad reaction to body care, and it had me looking at the ingredients of what was in the item that she was having a reaction to, And I was appalled. I had to Google these ingredients because I had no idea what they were. And there was a neurotoxin, an estrogen inhibitor, known carcinogens, all these these things banned in the EU that we allow in the U.S. in our body care. And so um, starting something for my family that had uh, the basis of cocoa butter was where actually indie Chocolate started as well uh, because I could make lotions and lip balms in my kitchen at a lot much lower cost of entry um than starting a, and launching a full-on chocolate business, so I like to say indie chocolate's the only lotion and lip balm company that sprouted both a chocolate factory and a cafe
1: mm yeah, I saw that on your website, and it's super interesting that you have all these uh, the, uh, such a variety of different products and uh do the body care products yes. smell as delicious as I imagine they might
0: they do I. I It's one of my great pleasures in life is watching people try our lotion for the first time. I can generally tell anybody in Pike Place Market that's been in indie Chocolate that's walking through the market because they do something that I see repeated all the time and it just brings joy to my heart. And that is they bring their hands close to their nose and then they smile. And to know that you make something that brings joy to people is is one of the greatest gifts, I think, that you can ever have. Um, It's just really lovely to see that. And it's also the same philosophy that I have as far as our lotions and lip balms, our body care, Uh, applies to everything that we do. It's the fewest and best ingredients. Uh, Really, if it doesn't need to be there, don't put it in. And so it really gives that that high quality. But also because I want it to be an exploration of chocolate. Uh, Because one of the things that I think is interesting is we think of chocolate and we think of a chocolate bar or a bonbon or a truffle, but we don't really think about all the other great things chocolate can be because chocolate started out as a drink. Uh, it started out as a bitter water and then it had spices and then this sweet, um, the milk and the sugar coming later. And it wasn't until the industrial revolution that we actually had chocolate bars, but we had mole and things like that, that are savory ways of using it. And so it's also interesting because uh, the reason why you see things like soy lecithin in, in industrial chocolate is because it's cheaper and easier than cocoa butter. The reason is cocoa butter is great on the skin and cosmetics and body care companies know this. So they buy it up. Supply and demand makes it expensive. And so industrial chocolate skims on cocoa butter and puts in, puts in something else that's cheaper and easier. Uh, as an artist, I I never wanted to use something that wasn't really kind of the very best and that's where cocoa butter comes in for me as same cocoa butter that we use in our lotions and lip balms is the same cocoa butter that we use in our chocolate
1: oh wow that's fantastic and and of course you ship your products everywhere
0: we do all the world
1: yeah that's that's good for me to know because I'm on the other side of the country now so you also have classes at your location there at Pike Place Market
0: Yes, actually, the classes are one of my favorite things because I always find that people that are interested in doing things are generally very, very interesting people. So it's really a joy to be able to teach uh, something that I'm as passionate about as chocolate, um, and it's really we have just had the greatest classes. It's been a lot of fun.
1: so what so what specifically um are you teaching classes in?
0: So we teach classes in everything on from how to taste chocolate to how to make chocolate. We have hands-on truffle making classes as well as mixology classes and for Valentine's we're doing some, some collaborations with uh, both a distillery, Ula Distillery in Seattle. We're doing one with a First in Bloom uh, with, with some flower companies as well as um, the uh, the Loving the Female Body component as well uh, with a group called, ba- uh, the company called Babeland as well. So uh, we like to not only do classes but events as well.
1: Oh my gosh, that sounds wonderful! I think I might have to come out to Seattle to <laughs> to, to, to partake in some of those. Sounds fantastic. Is there any truth to this horrible rumor? I've heard that um, the the cacao trees are perhaps becoming um, maybe not extinct but
0: um, endangered. Well. I think the bigger problem is not, a lot of people say, is it climate change? I think really the bigger issue is is two parts. One is making sure that we pay cacao farmers enough that they stay in the business. And that's actually one of the biggest risks. And the other is making sure that we keep the diversity of cacao that we have currently. We don't even know about all of the diversity. But it's very important to make sure that we keep um, learning more about what we have and, and continuing to encourage farmers to, to have that diversity, uh, because it makes for really great tasting chocolate, uh, to be able to have this diversity. And it's one of the areas that, uh, that I'm really passionate about keeping the diversity in because, um, those two things are really important to the overall health of the chocolate industry.
1: So are there ways that the, um, the lower price, like the commercial chocolate industry is, um, endangering your profession your business you know your artisan um business
0: well I mean, I mean there will always be large commercial chocolate makers and and that's fine um i mean i guess uh, you get what you pay for um if you if you want to actually eat chocolate that has a lot of great tasting beans in it it will cost more because those beans are better quality. They cost more. You have to pay the farmers accordingly. Um, but if you look at a lot of commercial chocolate out there, and this is where I th- think we really have an artisan movement in chocolate. It's a kind of a revolution. that's actually started in the U S and happening around the world is that if you look at what is actually in there, there's a lot of things like fake vanilla called vanillin or soy lecithin that gives it a waxy or a type of texture or delay. And when you get that flavor, Um, And people have wised up. They don't want to have just a whole bunch of milk solids that they're paying for in their chocolate. They want to have chocolate. And so I think that people are really kind of coming along and realizing that there's a lot more to chocolate than they thought, but also that there's a lot better quality out there. Uh, And so I think that really what the artisan movement is about is a really big shift to quality. I look at it like the wine industry. You know, we used to have Gallo wine in the U.S. uh, and that did jugs and things like that and then really you had the the california revolution happen in wine that really brought better quality and even gallows got much better quality now too and so i think that it's really raised the quality up not only the u.s but around the world as well Um, and i think the same things happen in coffee and i think now we're finally having that happen in chocolate
1: Mm, that's awesome is there you mentioned a couple of ingredients that could be red flags to let a consumer know that they're eating a poor quality chocolate. Yeah. Is there anything else that you look for to know? Because I, I guess in maybe just because it's expensive might not mean that it's good. Well, the thing that
0: I would ask is that, you know, what got me started with indie chocolate were lotions and lip balms because I read ingredients uh, and really realized that there were a lot of things that weren't great in there. And, um, so that same sort of label reading, I think as consumers, yeah, it can take some time. Yeah. It can be confusing, but really what you want is you always want to have ingredients that you understand. That's really the most important because we have the best tools that we were given at birth and that's our nose and our taste bud. And between those, we can really tell a lot. And so if you don't understand an ingredient in something, it probably means that that might not be the product for you. And so if you're looking at artisan chocolate, what you're seeing is very few ingredients. Cocoa beans comes from the Theobromine cacao. Cocoa butter comes from the same place. And sugar. Those are the three ingredients I use. And so you can have a lot of really great quality, but you don't need a lot of ingredients. And so what you want is a short ingredient list of things you understand.
1: Mm, that sounds like great advice. Yeah, absolutely. So I I love everything you're saying about your business, and it's um, you know, certainly likening likening it to the wine industry makes a lot of sense. What I'm wondering is your biggest challenge in running your business or growing your business?
0: Well, um, Seattle is. It's a challenging market as far as we are growing at such a big rate and our unemployment is very low and there's a lot of tech pressure on, on wages. And so um, keeping and, um, and, and having a really high quality team is, uh, is what keeps me awake at night uh, because I have some fantastic people that I have the pleasure of working with in Indie Chocolate and it's really important to me to keep them happy um, as well. Uh, so that's one of my biggest challenges is making sure that I'm able to retain the amazing team that we have.
1: Mm, yeah. I think that's a problem for a lot of businesses now that unemployment is so low, but, yeah. um, I guess you have the ability to give them some perks like
0: chocolate. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would work for yeah, me yeah, Have a with, uh, with uh, dinner with our spice rubs and, uh, a whole bunch of chocolate to taste so yes our our team meetings are uh, are definitely uh something you want to attend
1: yeah that that sounds wonderful um i want to switch gears a little bit and just ask you about um as you were building your business and and moving forward with this whole endeavor how important or have you given any thought to um just mindset and how like how important is being in the right mindset to grow a business or have you had any challenges in the area?
0: Yeah. You know, and I think the Goldman Sachs foundation 10,000 small business program was actually really good for me about that. I have to say, I'm the force of nature that got Indy chocolate to the point that it is now. Uh, And that means doing whatever needed to happen uh, at whatever hours that it needed to happen to get here. And one of the things that, um, you know, that you you can only do for so long without re- recharging. And so it has been, a, you know, trying to look at it um, and continue to, to refresh, um, to, to not only bring new ideas to it, but to bring perspective to it. And that's one of the important things for me about the travel that I do. Um, I not only go to Origin, but I also go to some very large international chocolate shows because I also sell the equipment to make chocolate. Um, And that to me is very important as far as that refresh of perspective and the connection with my peers in the industry um, is very important as well. And it's something that sometimes you have to get away to get perspective. And uh, that is definitely something that I need to always make sure that I'm refreshing um, for that, for that leadership skills, for that that being able to look for a very long view and and steer the ship accordingly. And so I think that perspective is really important. um, And it's something to continually challenge myself with um, as far as how I'm, how I'm doing, how I'm perceiving and and how, how the team is coming along with with that as well. and, And how we give leadership opportunities based on people's perspective and willingness to step up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, did you always know you were going to have a business and be an entrepreneur?
0: No, actually,
1: absolutely
0: the opposite. Um, I had one of my good friends in college. I uh, grew up the only child of a printing business, um, and I'd heard all of the stories about you know, how hard it is to make payroll and all of the horror stories of owning a business. And I always thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I would never want to own my own business. And um, the, the irony of it is before I went on the plane to Belize, I looked over to my husband and I said, I think I'm going to start a business when I'm down there. And he looked at me like I was absolutely crazy because i never wanted to before. But I just had this overwhelming knowing. I can't explain it any other way. But I just, I call it my chocolate space in that I feel like it's really what I should be doing because the right opportunities and the right people keep appearing when they need to appear. And so I always call it the the door that I can't not open because opportunities come in such a way that I know this is what I'm supposed to do.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And, and I like that you brought that up because um, that reminds me of a lot of the teachings that I I like to follow and, you know, this whole idea of purpose and the universe kind of guiding you and all of that. So it's cool that it's manifested in this um, chocolate business because it is um, obviously needed, but uh, delicious and <laughs> and wonderful as well. and And I guess through doing this, um, you're helping to support all those farmers and you know just helping the whole movement. So whether or not that was intentional, yeah, it's, it's it's a
0: well, cool byproduct. Yeah that's one of the things that I love about doing direct to consumer. Um, I know that in my in you know in the artisan movement, most people really focus on on wholesale. You can get it in our store, or you can get it online. Um, and, and unless you've really uh, begged and borrowed and, and really annoyed me for a long period, period of time, um, it, you don't have me in wholesale uh, in a wholesale account yet. Um, although I've been asked many times, because for me, the ability to to work with the communities that I work with, both the farmers, my the the team at Indie Chocolate, and our consumers, is just an amazing experience and to really, um, be an educator, to be there and to, to, um, show off what we're doing, but also teach what we're doing as well is really thing that I really find purpose in. Mm.
1: What's that? That's, that's, um, that's awesome. And I can't wait to come and visit your location in Seattle, but what, what do you think is next for Indie Chocolates?
0: Well, uh, um, we're going to be doing a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, we're going to start doing more and more in our classes and some short tours, and we've got some really fun um, things coming up uh, that we're going to be doing for Valentine's, but also um, really for the summer, which is one of our busiest times. Um, so we've got a lot of really fun things that we'll be introducing uh, that I'm really excited by and, and more and more fresh items um, with chocolate as well that I'm very excited by. Um, and then um we're also looking at doing some origin trips uh with with guests, uh, because I've been asked for many, many years now, uh for, for ten years, if I'll take people to origin. And so we're actually looking at um taking origin trips with with people that would like to come and learn about chocolate where it grows. Oh, that sounds
1: wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds fascinating actually. So wow. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us and sharing all of your stories and all that information. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to
0: add? Uh, please uh, join us on our website, which is indichocolate.com, um, and uh, learn and play about chocolate. And if you have questions, you can you can let us know. Um, but, uh, yeah, my my hope and joy is that uh, everybody gets to learn and experience so um, try something new and have fun because it's all chocolate is my my philosophy.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. I love it. Well, Erin, thank you so much for being with us today. It was really, really interesting. And thank you all for listening to the show. My guest was Erin Andrews of Indie, I-N-D-I, Chocolate. You can find this complete interview links to Erin's website and social media pages on our website, Com. Thanks again for joining us and check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on turning your daydream into a phenomenal success.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Ready Set Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at ReadySetGrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready Set Grit, inspired actions, real results.